What's up, hybrids? Welcome back to another episode of the Phantom Hybrid Podcast. This is Conoco, and I am here with Mike, Anthony, and Lori. And we are discussing the season two finale of The Discovery of Witches. And I'm in my feelings. Mm. Because yeah. I knew certain things would happen. And I was still not prepared for them to happen. So when they happened, I was still in my feelings. But this yeah. episode was also very emotional. Like I teared up several times during this episode. Yeah, it was kind of anticlimactic for me. Really? Because 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 okay, the reason I say that is because we are really we're really good at our supposition for this series because we pretty much down the line called almost everything that's happened that's true so it's like when the big things happened and when big things like pop up we're kind of like okay i kind of saw that coming uh, okay i knew that was coming okay i knew she was gonna okay i knew that was gonna happen then it's like when it ended you're like wait that's it <laughs> my daughter like, she was I like needed, she was like they really leave us like that right i literally needed 10 more minutes to mm-hmm. kind of to kind of give me something else. Like, I kind of expect everything to happen. So I was like, okay, you you need to surprise me and give me 10 more minutes. Like, give me something. Because, like, after the first season, when they busted in the house and they were getting ready to time walk, that was something you're like, oh. But there wasn't a moment like this. It was just kind of a uneasy, uncertain, what the hell, what the hell is going to happen next moment. And it was kind of like, and I was expecting that moment. Like, I was literally expecting... Like, I was expecting them to time walk and appear from the knots. That's what I was expecting. That's what I really wanted to happen. Because she said she was going to time walk to Sator. And I was like, oh, shit. Okay, now it's getting ready to fucking go down. But nothing happened. So I was like, fuck. Why do y'all, y'all, all they had to do was let them time walk and appear in front of Knox. And ha- and that would have been, you ended right there, and I would have been happy. I would have been like, all right, cool. I can, all right, let's, let's go ahead and get to this next season. But it just kind of left it cut the ending left me to flat, left me kind of flat. So my feelings are is that I, I'm like Hanako. I love the episode. I didn't cry all throughout the episode. I cried like once, but I did get the shock of my life because somebody showed up who I wasn't expecting to show up. And I was like, oh, they went there and that made the episode for me. But then again, we knew what was going to happen with a certain character and the way that she she had that, la- I mean, she acted like no one's business in that. And I was like, I know it's going to happen. And I, I but I, I was ready for it. But I'm telling you right now, I expected and I didn't get it. I expected when when Peter was doing his little thing in the woods, I wanted Phoebe to shoot him in the back with a gun. That was wishful thinking. That would have been nice. I'm about that would have been, been funny for all your shit talking and all of your power you would have gotten taken down by a human. That would have been so yeah. funny. I was literally waiting for that. Knox and his dusty balls. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I I don't really know how to feel about that episode. I mean, the last episode was really, really, really good. And I guess I'm sort of like Mike in, in that camp. I'm just like, that's it. Yeah. They... You know, Matthew closes. The, let's go back, and then Matthew closes the door, and like no fireworks, no nothing. Just, yeah, he just closes the door. You didn't get to put a foot in the air. <laughs> I'm like, come on. 
No, I mean, I, I see where Mike is coming from. I, I, I'm not going to take away from the episode. It was a solid episode. It's just, I'm not. Oh, I'm not. I'm not saying. I didn't say it was no, bad. No, no. I, I, I it wasn't a bad episode. It was. It was really good. It was it's a great just, episode. Yeah. Just, I was looking for maybe a little bit more, not action, more or less. Mm-hmm. We got a lot of drama and a lot of. We got a yeah. lot of this. We got a lot of setup. It was almost like. It was almost like all the pieces are on the board, and then we have to wait for the game to start. Right. right. Wait until next year at that. But it wasn't anything to, to give us anything to anticipate. Like, for example, I know I'm getting ahead, but when Domenico gets jumped by the Blood Rage vampire, cut. Just stop. Don't show us that he gets away or, or walks away. Just end right there. I would have like, oh damn, Domenico's in trouble. No, he's not. <laughs> Actually, I think he might be because he's been attacked and he's been bitten. So now, wouldn't that mean that he probably has now been infected with blood rage? I don't. I don't know if that's how that works. Yeah, uh, did we say that's not how it passes? I, I don't. I don't think. I, I don't think that's how it works. I think you have to be born with it, right? Yeah, I think so too. But then how how would Matthew have been afflicted with it and Marcus and Benjamin? Well, Matthew got it from um, got it from Isabel. And he passed it on to Marcus. Yeah, because he turned Marcus. Yeah. So you're saying they have to die. Yeah, they have to be turned. That's how it's passed. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Because I, because, you know, I I like Domenico now, <laughs> and I think yeah, him and him being in peril, I think would have been like, oh wow, I, I wouldn't have thought he would be in peril. You know what I'm saying? Like that would have been a neat thing to, to just have him attacked and cut to black, and we not know what happened until next season. They could have just given us that. No, um, I'm kind of glad they didn't because <laughs> for me, it kind of opens up more questions because, like I said. I still wonder if, I mean, we know that the blood rage passes when they're transitioned, but we don't really know if it happens any other way because we've never been presented with that scenario. Mm. Like every everybody that the blood rage vampire has attacked in present day have all been humans. And he's attacked them to the point where they died. We've never seen someone who's been attacked with blood rage and survived. Except for in the last episode, we saw Matthew go after Louisa, but Louisa already has blood rage, so we don't know if that would have affected her in any way. So I still think that that might be up in the air with Domenico. Right. Like, but, why but, show us that with him if there wasn't going to be an after effect? True, but that's my point. Like, just leave him, the, just have him be attacked and cut and although we still have all those questions like oh my god is he infected now does he survive you know dun 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 we get that moment just just that one thing you know could have made all the difference but we we know he makes it and he survives and like he gets and now he's being stopped by benjamin in the present day right but you get my point my point is i i don't have issues with the episode i just I kind of wanted 
maybe I wanted to be on the cliffhanger. You know, maybe I wanted right. some things, right. some drama leading into the next, some anticipation. I don't have anticipation right now. It's like, okay, well, I can just wait for the next season and watch all these things start to unfold. Right there, there's literally not a moment where we're like, shit, what happened? What happened? Just like, like we were at the end of the first season, like, mm. damn, did they, did they get in there? Did they get in there? Right, did we didn't even know if they made it together because right. all we got was her, you know? Right, right. we were like, what the fuck? Like, nothing, what the hell happened? Even though we, we kind of, even though we got spoiled with the pictures from season two before we got to the finale, but it's like, even then, even then, when, when we saw pictures of them in the past, we were like, okay, so she time walked. Damn, well, now we know that. But the way they set it up, when she didn't even, when, when they didn't take the step and they were they heard someone busting in, you're still like, shit, what happened? What, did they get in a fight? Did they time walk? Or did they did they time walk in time? Like no one knew what happened. So was it, it was interrupted? Like, was it screwed up? You know, they, 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 so it's like we, we got none of that. It's yeah, like we, we got them standing around, we got we got Agnes walking around with the baby and we got we got Marcus knocked out, and we got Isabel sitting at a desk. Okay, I gotta say this for they could have ended. They could have ended with Isabel. We didn't need to see any more of Isabel after she said, you know, basically, I guess I have to. It's almost like a Thanos moment. Well, I guess if you're gonna do something, I have to do it myself. Yes, I was like, <laughs> you know, when they I could have ended it right there. At the desk at the end. I was like, that was that look of resolve. Like, Isabel was like, oh, y'all done fucked up now. Because she knows somebody else was on her property. Mm-hmm. You know, Marcus mm-hmm. went after them. They know Emily is missing. So, and if Isabel, and again, um, Lori, your theory about the vampires having a, a certain sense of magic, I yeah. kind of felt that too, because Marcus was asking her, like, can you sense them? And I know that they can sense other creatures like mm-hmm. in close proximity, but the fact that she could tell that someone was on their property, think about it. The temple is not even like immediately on their right. proper property. It's in the forest, in the woods somewhere. So the I think they have some could feel. Yeah, I think that has something to do with how powerful she is. And like old, the more yeah. powerful, yeah, the more powerful you are. Because even Philippe was kind of like that. You know. Or I think it may have something to do with the fact that, you know, Lori has mentioned that in the books, Isabel was a witch before she was turned to a vampire. Is that correct? She had, um, she was, they, they put her leaning toward being a witch, but they never said she was a witch. I guess she was somebody with latent or hidden uh, talents. Okay. Like maybe she came from a witch family and she was a sensitive. Yeah, okay. which tendencies. Yeah, which tendencies. Okay. What they said. Because the thing that got me was Margaret, the baby, started fussing at almost mm-hmm. the exact time that Knox arrived on the property. So I wondered if she could feel him too. Mm-hmm. She could. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was, that's why I was thinking like when Isabel was able to sense that somebody was on the property, she couldn't necessarily say it was Peter Knox or it was some, but she knew. But she knew it was somebody powerful. Right. She knew it was a powerful and I don't creature. know if it was because of him being powerful, if it was because of his magic balls and and the energy that those give off, but I thought that was really interesting because the baby would not settle down until after we see Peter has kind of left the property when he's fleed the property. So you say yeah, Isabel felt Peter's Peter Knox's balls. Oh. <laughs> but, but I, my first thought when she said that was Baldwin is in trouble. 
because if she decides that she wants to take the Declaremont head of a family from Baldwin, I don't think he's going to be able to say no. Mm-hmm. And his seat on the congregation, I don't think he can say no. And I don't think anyone on the congregation will be making any objection to Isabel being on the congregation. No. Baldwin and Zerber should both be like crap in their pants right now. Oh yeah. And definitely. Peter should just already know that he's a dead man walking. He is Peter's a dead man. You know he's a dead man walking. So when and Matthew when Matthew comes back. And yeah, he told me talking that shit to side too. And I'm like, bruh, you're not that powerful. Why are you why are you ditching a witch who's been up in this business that tour and snatched Diana and, and got away with it? You the one person that could actually help you in this endeavor, you're gonna talk shit about. And I like that too. Seth too's like, you should take a powerful ally with you. He's like, I don't think so. She's like, okay. <laughs> she, she she didn't she, argue. She yeah, didn't press. She was like, okay, that's your choice. She didn't share anything that she learned from the nope. class. She was like, oh, this is nope. out. But I'm yeah. I'm gonna be honest. My my honest feeling. I think that if Satu had gone to Septor, I don't think she would have been an ally for Peter. I still she, think she wouldn't have let him kill. Um, she she yeah, she she wouldn't have let, let it go down like that. Yeah. All right. I don't think so. I don't think so either. And, and I also don't think that she's completely on his side. You know, I, I'm, I say that from the beginning, and I'm yeah. going to still stand by that. I think mm-hmm. that I he is he is not really understanding where she's coming from. And now that she has completed her training, as Diana has, which we kind of knew they were both going to complete their training, that she probably is much more wiser now. Than she did the old, before. Did the old witch that was doing the training say she was a weaver too? Yes. yes. That's going see, see, this is what I, I didn't like. Other than that scene, we got nothing of Satu the entire season with her training. I would have loved to have seen at least one scene with her training. That would have been I have cool. a feeling we'll probably see some flashbacks. We'll probably have a flashback episode about what Satu has been doing over the last year, year and a half that they've been gone. Okay. I, I think we'll see that next season. Um, it would have been hard for them to put that in there with everything that they did this season. Well, you know, so I think, yeah, next season is is probably. Well, if they wouldn't have done so much damn walking. They probably could have put it in there. <laughs> I have a, a unrelated to this, but, but about the training, since Satu and Dan have now had like formal not training. Mm-hmm. And her father talked about being self-taught, mm-hmm. but he obviously knows something. Is is he just like this really powerful wiz- wizard, powerful witch who just has a lot of raw talent? I believe so. Mm-hmm. And I believe that's that's the assumption. That's that that's that's him. it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Speaking of which, didn't I call it that it was him that he was the yeah. time walker? I called yeah. it. Yeah. Yep. I called it. Yeah. But. It was that was an interesting part of the episode to see Diana like when Diana got to train with him and with Goody Allsop. It's like Goody Allsop was telling her the I guess you could say the formal way of of how she needs to do the knots. And then Stephen was coming in there with like more of a personal connection as far as telling her how to come through it. And that's when she was able to connect 
to actually connect and complete her knots. And I just found that it's, it's more of like an off the books one. Yeah, it's like like you know, like they're telling you how to do it strictly, and he praises her like, "Look, relax. You can't do this like mm-hmm. really stiff. You have to actually let the energy flow through you." And it's like, and I thought that I mean, I don't think she would be able to do it if he wasn't there. I don't think so either. She need. I think she needed that emotional connection and that emotional anchor. She needed something to kind of, I guess, remind her of why she was there in the first place. Because as as Stephen mentioned when he got there, and as we've mentioned before too, you know, they've kind of gotten comfortable in 1591 to the point where you know even she said that she could imagine staying there and living a life and Stephen tells her look you guys stayed here too long you've interrupted the timeline you've adopted a child you have changed things and that's not what you're supposed to do as a time walker and he's berating her but at the same time I'm sitting here thinking um excuse me Stephen she didn't have anyone to tell her that she was a time walker and to train her as far as what she's supposed to do properly as a time walker. So you can't really fuss at her about that. She's doing this as she goes, you know. Y'all chose to leave her without her magic and without a way to defend herself. Speaking of that that section of the show, Mm -hmm. was I the only one feeling all of the shade that Matthew was just kind of broadcasting across the room to, to this other father who just like, not only restricted his child, but just kind of like abandoned him. It just seemed like his whole demeanor, his, the way he was talking to him, it just seems like he, he it almost borderline, I, I really don't like you, sir. He yeah, just, he kept yeah. a lot. Yeah. I think he was just being protective. Because ah, it felt like more than that. It was, <laughs> was shade. It was, was straight up shade. He was like, he was like, yeah, you keep on talking, motherfucker. Watch yeah. me come over there. Yeah, no that that was that was the defendant definition of shade. Because yeah. when they were standing, when he was standing on the landing, and he kind of looked over and he kind of cut and rolled his eyes at the same time, which is hard to do. Yeah, I I felt something in my spirit on that. Okay, one. yeah, I, I I know I'm not the only one. He was, he just felt looking at him. He's is it Matthew Good? Is that the actor's name? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's really good at the physical acting. I mean, he is yeah. really good at that. And I could just see how he was sitting there, looking at him. He had like this halfway snarl on his face. It was just like, oh, I just don't like you, sir. I really don't. I don't think it was necessarily uh, I don't like you. I think it was more so a fact that here is somebody else major in Diana's life who, you know, is kind of taking a little bit of her attention. And I think he, he might have been a little bit mm-hmm. jealous of that. I don't and think also, so. Also, it didn't, it didn't feel like jealousy. It felt like, if, if anything, it was like, I really just want to tell you how sorry you were. You you bound her and you left her to fend for herself. Yeah. And I, I and and think about how Matthew is about family. Yeah. That bother, yeah. That's right. going to bother him a lot. Yeah. And it goes. it also goes back to Diana not knowing that she had powers, much less how to use them. And it's like, and Matthew is probably like, you know, you could have left her more hints about what she is and how she, and how she, how to help use her powers and things like that. But then again, it's like Stephen had, Stephen is, it seemed like he was, he was kind of on a mission. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's just like he was, well, he's like, he kind of has to keep going, bouncing through time, walk through time. 
and to he feels like it's almost like he's he's a one man version of Star Trek. He's like I'll I observe, but I can't interfere. I was like, okay, okay, all right. Uh, I mentioned this to my husband, and he had a theory. Well, yeah, it was the reason I'm bringing it up because it was interesting. He has a theory that this may not be the right Steven in the right time, or it may not be Steven at all. It may be someone wearing a glamour because everything that I was telling him about the interaction for what I've told him before, he said, that doesn't match up with what Stephen did. That doesn't match up with what he's doing. He thinks that either he came in a different time, got pulled out, and is there to misdirect her, or he specifically dissuaded them from bringing the book because he's wearing a glamour and it's somebody ex a la, maybe not Peter Knox, but someone close to him so that they can go back after they leave, get the book, and change a few things. Because if he's walking around, obviously you don't know how long he's been there when he's been there also mark also pointed out why was he able to interconnect with his daughter because isn't that crossing quote-unquote time streams because if you're dead you shouldn't be able to cross over in a time with someone who's living who you're related to mm, i don't know if i agree with that one because of the emotion in the scene when he got ready to say goodbye like when he was right. training with her yeah i don't think that anybody who was not connected to her would have connected with her on that emotional level not to mention the fact that when she when she kind of infers to him the fact that you know something caused his death he said some very personal things to her he was like your mother and i you know rebecca saw your pregnancy your mother and i don't know what's coming ahead but we know that our time with you is short like those are very specific things Thanks. to say to your daughter i don't think that someone who was not emotionally connected to her would be able to say that and still get the same kind of impact i think okay. that he was genuinely there he was genuinely glad to see his daughter i think a lot of his behavior was probably probably had to do with the fact of what you just said you know the fact that he never expected to interact with his daughter and then at the same time like he said when they when they first started talking she said you look exactly the same and he was like you were on a tricycle two days ago that takes a lot to to get through your mind to kind of catch up and be like wait okay hold up this is my actual daughter and she's a grown-up and she's already doing the things that her mother first saw her yeah. doing that's yeah. a lot to kind of wrap your mind around even for someone of steven's power with some someone with steven's experience that's a lot to kind of take in yeah and and yeah. from and i also went with like from his perspective visions are already problematic mm -hmm. and and to see dana there standing with the vampire that you know, her mother had been seeing and he realizing, okay, so whatever vision she's having, they must be true. And whatever danger that he may have felt that Dana was in, to see her there at that moment was like, okay, whatever decisions I make are the right decisions because she's still alive mm -hmm. and she has her power. Right. So every, and, and he can think that, you know, maybe binding her wasn't the right thing to do. We don't, we don't know, like, exactly 
if if this is before or after they bound her, and he may not have told um, her mother that he saw her, he may not have given her that information, which is why he was like, you know what, we can bind her and she'll be fine. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we can mm-hmm. leave her and trust me, she'll be fine. Mm-hmm. How do you know? Well, I've seen her as an adult. So all the whatever we're doing is not going to affect, you know, her life in that bad, that bad, you know. Mm-hmm. You, you understand what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Like it, it almost like it was a confirmation for him that he was on the right track. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Okay. And okay. he may have been the one that decided at that point, he could have decided, you know what? You know, I told her to leave the book here. Well, let me go put a spell on the book to make sure right. that she's the only person that can get it. Right. Because he was very insistent about the book. And and like I said, I I didn't think much of it. But Mark's like, there has to be a serious reason why he was just so he said he was to the point where he was almost obsessed with her leaving the book where it's at. Go, go now. So. Well, I mean, if, because you he had about his, if you think about his reasoning, he actually had a very good point. You had this very powerful, magical object that you don't understand, you can't read, you don't know what the extent of the power is from this object. And you're gonna try to take it through space and time. Yeah. There's no telling what could have happened. If, if they try to take the book, the book could knock them out of their time travel. It could put them both in two completely different places. It could kill them during the travel. We don't know what it's gonna do. Or and that's so- probably why Stephen was so adamant about right. no, you can't take this magical object. Like there are certain boundaries, I think, with magic that you just simply cannot cross. I think it was just enough that she was able to see the book and she knows exactly what happened to the book. She knows how the pages were missing and she knows where that where that started. So now when they do go back to present time they can at least have a, a point to start looking and try to figure out how to locate these other two pages that they don't have. You know, because as far as she knows, her aunts still have the first page, which they probably still do. There's no telling where Emily hit it. But, you know, as far as she knows, that page is still there. So they just need to locate the other two. They know that one page is going to be with the demons and another page is going to be with the vampires. It's just a mag- matter of figuring out who has them and how to you get know, them. You know Hamish has them. I was going to say, Hamish has got the You paper. know he has Yeah, them. I'm sure Hamish has <laughs> You know he has it. He's yeah. got it in some vault somewhere. He, pro- probably, fact, he probably doesn't got know it. what it is. He doesn't know what it is. Right, he, he's, had, he's probably had it for, for years and just didn't know. As far as the vampires, it could be anybody. I, I don't think that the Claremonts have it, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's an ally of them, but somebody... Has it? See, it couldn't just be spelled to the point where they just don't realize what it is. I think Benjamin might have. I it. think, yeah, I think Benjamin has it. Well, that could be. That could What's be. Up, Mike? <clears throat> okay, so I haven't done it in a while. Okay, so I, I, I did a little, I did a little unintentional. I had a little unintentional spoiler release. I'm sure y'all seen it too about the next episode where. We actually discussed them bringing more people of color into mm-hmm. Discovery of Witches next season. And wow. you had the black, not like all the black characters that they're getting reintroduced in there. And they're, they said they're getting ready to go to New Orleans, right? Like maybe they some sh- of them were based in New Orleans. They should yeah. they should go to New Orleans next, yeah. I think that's where that's where the page is. 
I think some I think there there's a there's some witch coming in New Orleans that has it because I mean to to bring in New Orleans you you know you're bringing in vampires but you also bring that's also the home of voodoo which is a, which is basically black black witchcraft mm-hmm. or yeah, island witchcraft. Oh, so so either Louis or Listat has it. <laughs> no. No, right. not absolutely no. not. Oh, okay. So, the, so the, but what, what, I'm, what I'm saying is they're bringing they're bringing taking them to New Orleans for a particular reason. So I think that I think that's one of the reasons that they're doing it. I, 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 that just kind of occurred to me that I'm like, well, I mean, you can go there, and I mean, that's a good place to hide. Is at least it's not in Baltimore like, or Oxford where everybody else is congregating, or Venice or anything like that. It's uh-huh. somewhere you know, where somewhere where no one's going to think to look. Where no one, no one of any, any basic, any importance so far has been. So I mean, why not there? You could say Eric or Stephen. Yeah. No, Lafayette has it. It's going to be in, in a burger with a <laughs> greatest character ever. My money's on. My money's on Louis. I don't know. I mean, it, it could be. All I know is from the little bit that I, I know is that New Orleans was the place where Marcus got himself into a lot of trouble, spent a lot of time, uh, Matthew did, getting him out of the trouble, and that some of their main uh, people who stood with them and still stand with them really became part of their uh, secondary family. So it's very important that they go to New Orleans. But the other thing is, is that it, it seems to me that with Marcus, especially, anything of, uh, involving New Orleans is very problematic because even though he mended fences, it doesn't seem as if he mended all the fences. So sort of like you saw on Supernatural, you saw on uh, True Blood, you can go back to where you used to be, but the people there may not necessarily still be your friends. Yeah. I mean, which again, which again Klaus and Marcel. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Which, which can bring in some, which means that if they do have it, that means they're going to have to come to a to a better piece of core. I mean, maybe they'll be like, yeah, we got it. What the fuck am I going to give it to you, though? Like, fuck you. Question. So do you know who any of those new characters are, like, within the story? Have you I, have you seen those spoilers? I know you have, Lori, so hush. Yeah. <laughs> I, I honestly have no idea. I, I just, I just, I just kind of saw the pictures and stuff, but I don't, I haven't delved deeper into any, any backstories or anything. Okay. Just, it's going to be interesting. That's all I'm going to say. Oh yeah. But um, let's see. Oh, okay. I know what I want to talk about. So, let's talk about Isabel's House of uh, Supernatural Strength. <laughs> okay, so. Oh. My daughter watched this episode with me and she was like, is it just me or was Isabel nicer to the human that she was to anybody else that set foot in her house? Like she immediately clicked with Phoebe. You know, it's kind of like, I don't know. I guess, you know, I was thinking about what Lori said about the fact that, you know, Marcus is the favorite or was the favorite amongst uh, Isabeau and Philippe. And you can clearly see it in this episode because 
At first, Marcus wasn't speaking to them because they kept the blood rage stuff from him. But now that they're all there at the house, when he comes in, you see he greets Isabel very warmly. And then when he introduces his partner, Phoebe, to Isabel, you know, Isabel is kind of, she's not very welcoming in that first minute, but like at the dinner and then afterwards when she and Phoebe talk, like she tells Marcus, she's like, you picked a good one. Like Phoebe is, I, I know we were all kind of like, okay, why are they showing us so much of her? But she was kind of the missing piece to this whole dynamic with all of them. Like she said, it's going to take all of the species working together to get through all of this stuff. And that doesn't just mean the creatures, the humans are a big part of this too. And now she adds that component. And I was just seeing her at the table with Agatha and the other demons and Marcus and Isabel and, you know, Emily and Sarah, it was just kind of like, yeah, the congregation has some competition. I, that's well, how I feel now. Well, the, the only thing I wanted to, to discuss about that situation is Phoebe has to be a little less snoopy and, <laughs> you know, she's snooping around and luckily Isabel's like, snoop away <laughs> this, and that tells you how much she likes her you know? yeah but i don't think she was like snooping in this instance snooping snooping like she was in marcus's house i mean literally she found a 12th century chair and we have to remember the type of business she's in she deals with I, I, yes so yes but that's not what wait, thing. No, i think no, it was no, just no. a it, it was, was a snooping a, thing because she was in market, she was looking for antiques in Marcus's house. She was snooping. No, that's she what I'm saying. In Marcus's house. house, that was different because she was trying to figure out who he was because he was keeping that from from her. And this no, I think this is the same. For. I think that's just her. I think that's just her default. Her default position. I, I don't think she is. She's just she's just curious by she nature. Nosy. Go ahead and say it, Aunt. Yeah, no. She wasn't even being nosy. I mean, you're in somebody's house. You, you see a chair, you sit in it, and it's just kind of like she was just sitting there admiring the chair. Like, it would be different if she was going through the books or if she was going through the desk like Diana was when she was at Septour. But no, she was... Well, no, she's not going to She's not going to break into... She's not going to break into an antique desk. But I'm sure... She's going to no, open up the boxes that's sitting on the desk to see what's in well, them. Or she, but she wasn't even doing that. She was literally she, she was admiring the chair. She was, okay, she was being, uh, she was snooping, but she wasn't being nosy. Nosy is me seeing my niece saying that she's in Atlanta on Facebook and calling her after three months going, hi, why are you in Atlanta? That's me being nosy, okay, which I actually did. Okay, snooping is me looking at someone's Facebook that I'm related to and looking at their post going, what does that mean? Hmm, okay, let me see if they do something else and then leaving alone and coming back later and checking. Oh, okay, it's what I thought it was. That's snooping, okay? The difference with Phoebe is that, well, there's two things. One, and she's at the table. She says something that endeared her to Isabel. She said all four creatures are at this table. She lumped the humans in and called the humans creatures which i think endeared her to isabel second when she is there and she's giving her little speech at the table and she's talking she presents herself as someone who says yes humans have faults yes humans screw up yes humans are the worst type of people when it comes to judgment calls but we need to all come together 
rise together and be better so that we can accept everyone else. That's what endeared her to Isabel. And I think she, I think judging from what Isabel said, she kind of reminds her of Philippe in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because she doesn't know, Phoebe doesn't know what the reason was for, for Philippe to create the congregation in the covenant. Isabel does more than likely. And it was probably a lot of what Phoebe was saying. You know, it probably yeah. was very similar and rung true to Isabel. It's, it's probably just been warped out, you know, over time things, things happen and things change and, you know, rules that you create back then don't necessarily withstand the test of time. Mm-hmm. And that could be what happened. That some of those things that were put in place, no one remembers why. Right. You know, and, and they just keep doing it and keep doing it. And they can't, you can't tell me, why can't the demons congregate? What, what is the reason? Why can't they have parties? That doesn't make any sense to me. Right. You know, but Philippe had to have, a, and, and it probably wasn't even one of the rules that Philippe came up with. It was probably one of those things that just sort of happened. Yeah. Yeah, it's very much like the Benny Judge with, with the, with the uh, reproduction program. Uh, through thousands of years saying we have to have the keys like Cotterock and when they get Paul, uh, why do we do this again? Same thing. Yeah. I thought it was funny when uh, Phoebe and Isabel were sitting there talking and then Marcus like rushes in the room. He's like, is everything okay? Like, yeah, they're getting along, Marcus. They're fine. I think he was really worried like, oh, this is not going to be good. But again, in this scene, you can see that there's a like really true affection between Isabel and Marcus because they, I mean, just their dynamic is great. And then when she mentions Philippe and he's like, I wish he were here. You can see Marcus loves his grandparents, no matter how pissed off he was about all of this. He's like there and he's gung ho. And Isabel, when she gives her little sweet, her little speech about, um, you know what grief can do and what it turns into i was like oh y'all done pissed isabeau off now i was like it's about to be on and popping isabeau is like oh i'm all in now like this is now my fight so. yeah it's like they've they've awakened the sleeping giant yep yeah. and i mean isabeau has been telling them she has told jabir several times like you might want to remember who you're talking to you might want to remember who you're threatening i think next yeah. season we're going to see now a lot of that old is. isabeau what, what, what was it she said grief carves a place in the heart and sits uh, there it. forever got you got it yeah uh let's see grief carves a place in the heart and sits there forever but when focused, it can be a powerful motivator. Sadness becomes resolve and pain becomes action. She's about to get in that ass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Baldwin. Baldwin's done. Oh, definitely. She's done. Baldwin yeah. is definitely done. Um, I think Peter is not long for this world. Okay. Oh, Peter's oh. a dead man walking. That's oh, that's man, Peter, that's a foregone. I was so ready for y'all to watch this episode last night because I needed to get one word out and see how everybody reacted. Fetch. He did. The interaction between Jabir and Peter around. is Jabir just is whatever. Jabir, Jabir does, wants to touch, 
Jameer wasn't such a douchebag, I'd love this dude. <laughs> he's had some of the best lines, like when he called Domenico an impudent fuck. Like, I love that shit. And this shit, he just, he's three, yeah. he's literally dead face fetch. Yeah, he keeps coming out of the pocket with Isabel. And Jameer does not give two fucks about anything. Man. He just doesn't. <laughs> I'm not your dog. Mm. Oh, I'm not your hunting dog, bitch. And Peter can do nothing but look at him. When I tell y'all, I hollered for five minutes. I paused the show because I had to get it all out. I mm. hollered. I, I it was it was absolutely it was perfect. You know because it characterized basically their relationship it's not a 50 50 thing with Mm-mm. them you know and that nothing else showed it as well as that scene did as much as peter knox would like to think that it is if you think about it, peter knox yeah he's a bad guy yeah he's one of the main ones causing shit but he honestly probably only has about 20 to 30 percent of the real power that's behind all of this a lot of this is being driven by joe bear a lot of it's being driven by baldwin and He's basically a glorified errand boy with limited magic, but the magic he has, again, as they pointed out, even Stefan said it, Steven said it, dark arts, dark mm-hmm. magic. And, and also, this goes back to the first episode of the season when Satu found out that he was that that Diana time walked, and he looked completely out of his out of his element. Right, same fucking thing. He is he is way out of his element. Like yes, he, and he he's acting like he's not. And I'm like, okay, keep acting like that. I mean, he's lucky he came across came across M, who really isn't like a fighting type witch, like who isn't really like you know trained like Diana, who can like bring up who can bring up bring up Cora and burn his burn his ass burn his motherfucking ass up. Which I'm waiting to see. I'm, I'm hoping and praying that shit happens. I'm like, please, he, let, he, let, let, let her his turn obsession. His obsession is is causing him to make some poor decisions. Mm-hmm. And, and you can see that. Yeah, and you see his, that when, when she brings up um, Rebecca and he sees her, and it's like he's like Rebecca, like he is like literally. Oh my god! He reacted the movie. same way Sarah did, almost. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But he, Rebecca was like, "Oh yeah, um, he wants that book," and mm-hmm. I, I'm telling you. If it wasn't for that dark art, the 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 ball, Dusty you know, saying, yeah. If if it wasn't for that magic ball that he holds all that dark art, you know, the dark arts in. Honestly, I'm. I think Emily could have taken him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the fact that he was so slow on the uptake that gave her enough time to whisk away the page shows you how of a lower level uh witch that he is because anybody else would have been on their game they could have snapped her fingers right lickety split and knocked it out of her hand i think, yeah, I, think still guys... too much in, I think he was still too much in shock for seeing uh at seeing rebecca okay, okay. but i also think you know i think one that you had said it earlier a few episodes ago that he doesn't i don't think he has any more magic i right. think open what he did to rebecca and steven i think you know took all his magic away the same way he did with Satu. Satu got lucky and was it Meridia gave Meridiana, Meridiana mm-hmm. gave her her magic back mm-hmm. and he hasn't had that. He's been using the dark arts in his <laughs> dusty ball. That's where he's getting his magic from. So using, uh, using an object is going to be a little bit slower 
than using your natural talent. Sure. And so he, he wasn't going to be able to get that page from her faster than he can get that ball up. Yeah. But he can't give it up fast enough. He can't give it up fast enough. If it wasn't for that magic ball, I think Marcus would have got his ass. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. think so too. Because yeah. I think at that point, him being on Declare My lands and doing what he was doing i think marcus at that point was pissed he should have been shredded witch yeah the other one thing is he could have marcus could have killed him and there wouldn't be any retribution but he couldn't kill he couldn't kill marcus Mm -mm. and marcus was right to tell him that you can't kill me yeah if you kill me you're gonna start a war that y'all have no chance of winning yeah yeah, yeah and, that, and, that's the equivalent of taking out taking out Queen Elizabeth. I mean, you're on their land, on their property, in their stronghold. Mm-hmm. First of all, you got to explain what you're doing there in the first place, which can, let's face it, that can be a little awkward given the circumstances. Right. Down to everything else. So, yeah. But I think, I think another reason why he didn't kill him is I think he lost his nerve because I think he started realizing that he screwed up and that he needed to leave and if he did even slightly enter on putting him to sleep, uh, there would have been a lot more questions that he's going to have to answer. I mean, he's already got to answer a lot of questions. He's, he's, oh, yeah, he's already in trouble. trouble. Yeah. He's he, already he in killed trouble. one of his own. Yeah. He's already and, in trouble. And this time it's going to be known that he was the one that killed. Like, they don't know that he killed Stephen and Rebecca. They're going to know that he killed Emily because who else well, would it have been? Well, he, he has an out for that. His out is going to be, look, I told my witches to, first of all, witches are not supposed to be around vampires. And they were harboring a witch that I needed to speak to. So I executed her. But I have my reasons. But you have to. They're his witches. He's the leader. Isabel knows the truth about who killed Diana's parents. So they can probably use that as why they were protecting. But they have no proof of that. They have have no photographs. They have the they have with the witches no, uh, circle. Right, but you can't prove that he was the one that did it. You you have you, you yeah. still have to have proof. You can't go around making well in this world, you can go <laughs> around making accusations, but it's not going to be enough to to take down the the leader of the witches. He has that position for a reason. He didn't get I mean, there by the A witch with very limited sense of magic. He sure has balls. I mean, he went on that land and uh, thanks for catching that. Um, for, I mean, it, the fact that he's so fucking bold to do that. I mean, well, not. I mean, he wasn't really bold. He was basically following orders for Jabert because he is a fucking lapdog. It's like he fetch. is literally. He literally is a fucking lapdog. He has he has no backbone. He's just he's just going to do something and hoping to get some little table scraps of power that might be left over because he know he knows good and damn well that he he can't do anything on his own. As he's tried to do it, he failed. That's why he's with Jabari. He's working with Jabari now because he is because he's spineless and he doesn't have any real power. So what does he do? He has to get with people who actually have some power. I mean Jabari is Jabari is is like a slightly more powerful version of Knox in the vampire world. But I mean, it's like, this is all, this is all boiled up. This is, I, I think that this is all going to boil down to Satu turning on him and becoming leader of the witches and her and Diana having a power struggle. Oh, that's definitely happening, especially oh. when she finds out that he killed another witch. Oh yeah, Satu's going to be done with his ass. 
already yeah. see that happening. Well, Agatha called it out in that early episode where the patriarchy is going down with all, all the decisions being made by these old white guys, and they're all the wrong decision. <laughs> they're all making the wrong decision. Yep. Yeah, because you have to you have to figure, even though the witches pretty much tend to fall in line with what Peter Knox says, there has to be more than five members of the congregation. There has to be hundreds or whatever, how many population of the different species who at some point in time have said, you know, maybe this isn't working, you know, but they are not strong enough to make their point. No, but there, there has to be more than one or two of them that are thinking, okay, this isn't right. You know, there well, has P to be grumblings. Well, Peter, Peter Knox lies and he manipulates mm -hmm. the truth and he controls the flow of information. Mm -hmm. That's how he's able to maintain power because since the beginning, he talks about, you know, these rogue witches who are going against everything that they believe and they're not listening to his orders. So he's already made them out. Dana and M and Sarah, they're all just, not doing what they're supposed to do. They're already pariahs in the world. He's already turned all the witch, witch covens against them already because they're all like, why aren't they doing what they're supposed to do? I mean, your friend with the wig, she's just, <laughs> she, she's the epitome of all of that. I mean, they're vampires, Ugh. you know? Ew. All, that, all that bigotry yeah. and prejudice that they have is, is I think we said it before, it's very powerful. You know, fear, bigotry, all that stuff. Prejudice, it's, it's a very powerful motivator. And, and one of the things that Knox uses is fear. Right. That's, that's one of his main things. How did he get... And the only thing that endeared him to Satu is she has a thirst for power and knowledge. Right. And, and he, he basically entertained... She couldn't wait to get out of the backwoods. And he's like, I can help you become more powerful. Mm. But she doesn't realize he really just wants her as a tool. And I think maybe now she understands. Uh, and he knows he knew better than to take her with him because he would have to tell her what he's doing. And at this point, I don't think he's told her what his goal is. And he's also dabbling in dark magic and, and no one wants to share power. It's like the ring. In, I, I think she got. I think she got the clue when they were at the bishop house. I think that when she informed him about the time walking, I think that's when she literally got a clue. I mean, yeah, because I mean, the what, especially what she told him about, you know, you might want to cultivate, you know, a little bit more uh, help on this. You know, I, mean, I, I don't see her completely disagreeing with him on certain points, but I can see her standing up for the principles of the witches and I can see her siding or maybe just helping Diana to balance it out and to make sure that things are done the right way and things are done uh, without any type of dark magic because if she's a weaver like we know she is and she's able to weave and cast spells she's going to need someone on her side power level wise in order to get something done because something tells me that they're gonna need both of them working together one day on something and she's gonna need to be on Diana's good side. Yeah. I mean, it, it's kind of like, I feel like they are two, they're two sides of the same coin. Like they're gonna have to be united in order for whatever this bigger picture is 
to come together. You but know? she does her, her she does owe Diana an apology though. Yeah. But uh what else is there to talk? Oh let's talk about old Father Hubbard. How? <laughs> oh. Oh my God. Okay. Because oh my God. There's a couple First of things. <laughs> I knew of it was all fucking people. Of all people. Why are you giving it to this guy who the guy uh what's what's the guy what's the guy's name in in Oliver? The the guy that ran all ran all the um, orphans. Fagan. Fagan. The fucking vampire Fagin, you're gonna you're gonna entrust entrust him him with the Jack. Are you kidding me? Well, I mean, think about what she says. One thing about Father Hubbard is he does protect his family. He does protect his flock. You know, right? But my Matthew has already set up everything that he would possibly need, and and she essentially. What she did essentially says, I don't trust Matthew. I don't trust his people to protect Jack. Like I don't think it's that. I don't think she it, trusts it has to be. humans to, to protect Jack. I mean, think about it. They have supernatural enemies. What is Sir Henry going to be able to do if somebody tries to get at Jack to get to Matthew and Diana? There's nothing he's going to be able to do. His whole family. First, 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 first of all, there's like a 500 year difference. If anyone tries to get, first of all, the Matthew of that time is not going to care what's going on with Jack. He's not going to know. Second of all, Dan is not there to know what happens. But, Let the boy have like a regular life, grow up and, and do his thing. But you're leaving him behind in a time where Louisa and Kit are still alive still have a a grudge against Matthew and Diana. I mean, they're 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 vampires. <laughs> okay. That, that kind of um, I'm sort of I'm sort of like I'm sort of like Mike over there. I just why? I mean Galloglass is still there. I mean why can why can you why can Galloglass is still there, um Walter Raleigh is still there. There are plenty of other options for you to get somebody to look after them. Other than, other than Bacon Father Hubbard and his and his wretched his wretched urchins of the night. No, that's like what? There, there, there's a there's a specific reason why they put this in there at this time. No, it, you, yeah, because Father Hubbard. The fact that we now find out that Diana is technically Father Hubbard's grandmother, like, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and remember I said, you know, Father Hubbard, now we know why he's a blood rage vampire. He has it, right? Now we know why he has it, because he got it from Benjamin, mm -hmm. which means he's the one that's going to pass to Jack. Boom, mm -hmm. I called it eight episodes ago. <laughs> all, all I can say is that, what was the thing Martin Lawrence says, run tell that? He couldn't wait to do that. I mean, he he was like, I can't tell you. I sired you. Okay, I'll tell you. I mean, well, he, had, he had no choice. I know he, he had, had no choice. choice but I don't think, from the way that Father Hubbard looked when Benjamin made that declaration, I don't think he knew before then who sired him. 
Well, he always said he he just emerged from yeah from from he, the grave from and the yeah grave it was unknown yeah was, yeah so it's like now once you have that knowledge hey I sired you there was probably something in that blood was like yes you have to do what he says and it's just yeah, yeah. that and is I, unfortunate and I think that as far as leaving Jack with Galaglass I think the problem you had there is that even though Galaglass has all the best intentions leaving a child in the care of vampires all the time versus Father Hubbard looking in on Jack is a world of difference because Galaglass, because he's so old, uh, he might forget to feed him dinner for a few weeks. I mean, you know, I mean, I mean think about it too. The yeah. way Galaglass comes across when we first meet him, Galaglass is like, he's a bachelor. He's going out and drinking and whoring right. and doing all this. That's not the type of person who's going to be responsible for a kid, no matter how much he may want to or how much affection he may have for Jack. Right. You know? exactly. it's, 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 15, it's the 1590s. Kids are drinking by the age of 10. He has to learn somehow. I mean, he's got to learn something Galaglass. Right. If he's going to know what to do, he's going to know from Galaglass. Galaglass will teach him all the survival skills. You know, Every last he's month. already a thief. He's already an accomplished pickpocket. I'm saying they, they actually work together to get the book back from um, what's his name? Right, right. So, I mean, there's already a level of trust there. So, I mean, yeah. but back back to what Mike said. Of all people, Father fucking Hubbard. <laughs> Yeah, yeah he protect, we we we've seen what he does. He does he does protect his flock, but he's a little bit crazy, just a little bit, just a little bit. And you saw what he was doing with his flock, you know. Come, come seriously, Father fucking Hubbard. Okay, good call, <laughs> I mean, Dana. Good call. I mean, I mean, she might as well have gotten Matthew to turn him because you know eventually Father Hubbard is going to turn him because that's what the fuck he does. He's, I mean, he he's he's a he's a blood. He's he's the worst. He's worse than blood rage. He's blood addicted. It's like he he, okay. he makes people he makes people give him his blood in order to be in order to follow him. He's like give me your, he, he, that's basically his tithing. So okay, eventually, think, what's going to happen? Think about what you just said. If Father Hubbard turns Jack, then that means his grandfather is Benjamin. Benjamin is Matthew's son. That can't end well. I'm just saying. I mean, I agree. That's what that, that's kind of my point. It's like this this is this is the most southern shit I've ever heard. <laughs> like, my, my father's, my brother, my grandmother's Uncle my Daddy. Uncle. What's the name my of that daddy. song? I am my own grandpa. Yes, pretty much. <laughs> that and Uncle Daddy from True Blood. Yes. Man, there's just so many cross bloodlines around here. This is it's, this it's is like the medieval version of Hot Shot is what it is. This is what I'm gonna say. We have said it time and again. Diana has really good instincts, and she doesn't make her decisions lightly and without consideration. I'm just going to have to trust that there was a valid reason for her to enlist Father Hubbard to watch over Jack and that she actually had good intentions and maybe he also has good intentions. I feel like Benjamin is going to be the thing that screws it all up. I don't think it's going to okay. be Father Hubbard. Yeah, well, You might be right, but however... <laughs> 
<laughs> I had a but and a however. <laughs> but however, if you have to, if you have to uh, CIA or MI6 your way to see Father <laughs> Hubbard to ask for that, then there might be a problem. Like yeah. Matthew wouldn't go for it. Gala Glass wouldn't go for it. Nobody would have went for it. So you had, Goody Allsop wouldn't have gone for it. You had to lie to everybody, right? To ask Father Hubbard for a favor to watch Jack. Now, I don't know. I, I don't know. There's a scene where if you not if you don't want to do it, it's like flirting. You know, you're okay with flirting, but would you say those things while your wife is standing there next to you? Would you say that to her? If not, then maybe you shouldn't do it. Right. So here she's meeting with Father Hubbard without nobody knowing what she's doing. Yeah, it's a problem. Some You're right, her instincts are good, but I don't know if her instincts had the good benefit. And that's also a result. This is also going to be a reflection of the speech that her father gave her about screwing with things in the past. Mm. she they set something up that was supposed to happen a certain way and she went and did something that completely undermined it and caused problems in the future because that was jack about <laughs> jack was gonna fuck domenico up i'm telling you that that wasn't benjamin that was jack benjamin is using jack the way that philippe used matthew remember what i told you about authors always giving you a hint mm -hmm. about what's going to be happening. Right. We all learned about how Matthew was a tool and a weapon for Philippe. Benjamin is doing the exact same thing with Jack. This is his weapon that he's sending out to do all these things. That's why he's talking Domenico. He's like, let me give Domenico a taste and see what Domenico does. I'm, I'm telling you that it has, and you're right. So Benjamin comes in, he's got Father Hubbard, Jack, and all that stuff. And now Jack is his Mike, his Matthew, period, point blank. I called it. Y'all remember what he said about not having theories? <laughs> that wasn't a theory. Whatever. That was Whatever. conjecture. There's a difference. Whatever. What, Mike, what you got? Okay. So also, Going back to what he said about the author giving hints. Early in the episode, you see Jack walking around looking for something, and Matthew says, you looking for these? He's like, oh, yeah, thank you. Basically, Jack lost his marbles. <laughs> you know? <laughs> okay, that's cute. Another like hint that. That, that, is, that, that, that is him in the future that is doing the blood rage. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. Holy fuck. Okay, I give up. Yeah, it's him. I mean, that's that's I'm guaranteeing that that pretty much sealed it for me. I was like, okay, lost his marbles. Gotcha. Okay, I understand. Every time I mean, they have a, a that's Jack. such a random thing for them to do. It's like he's yeah. running around, he's looking looking for something. Then he's like, oh, you see these? Oh, those. Thank you. That's what I was looking for. He lost his marbles, and Matthew helped him find them again. So Matthew was the key for him to actually not get out of his blood rage. So that's, that's how it's going to come around. Every every time they have a Jack focus moment, they get Blood Rage Vampire in the same episode. Every time there's a Jack focus moment, not, not Blood Rage Vampire. Yeah. Every time. 
but well, but see, I I think the greatest misdirection of this entire episode is that the few times that we saw Jack. Uh, and you you saw the whole thing leading up to Father Hubbard taking care of him, and then you saw Benjamin. I think that there's more of a of a foreshadowing of what's going to happen with these three characters because of the way that they showed them and the order that they showed the progression in this episode. I think that in the end of the day, Benjamin, whatever Benjamin is doing or not doing, is going to directly reflect on how I'm not saying he is or isn't how he is using Jack in the future. But they're trying to misdirect us by yeah. showing us Benjamin at the end. Yes. That, that was a complete misdirect. Yes. But the fact that we found out that he's Father Hubbard's father, Father Hubbard is now, you know, going to be, you know, watching out for Jack. And he's asking him, well, what was it that she asked you to do? You know what I mean? So, yeah, it, they to me, they're making it fairly obvious. And they wouldn't, I think, I I think Domenico, I don't want to say he might have been able he I don't know if he knows who Benjamin is or 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 what, but sometimes I think maybe they do have an idea. Mm-hmm. Domenico does know who Benjamin is, yes. So Benjamin wouldn't attack Domenico straight up. He just wouldn't do it. But I would guarantee you Domenico has no clue who Jack is. Yeah, because Jack is yeah. a thing because that that's what changed when they went back in time. Mm-hmm. He's a ripple. He's an anomaly. I think as far as Domenico, I think that Domenico knows of Benjamin, but I don't think he knows that Benjamin is still alive in the future. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, ben- Benjamin, you know, I feel like <laughs> Benjamin is if the theory is true that he is using Jack, you know, for whatever nefarious plans he has, it again, it, it's not a theory. Uh, <laughs> whatever. Oh wait, oh wait, oh wait, hold on, I forgot something. It's on. not a theory, and and we were talking about Marvel stuff. Period. So that was a different universe. No, you said mm-hmm. any. You said shows. Period. <laughs> that I'm telling you, that was not a theory. Stop, Mike. Stop. Stop, Mike. That Hold was on. not a theory. I'm telling you, it's not a theory. <laughs> what were you saying, okay. Hanukkah? But, but my my thing is, Benjamin. If you think about the first time he he met Diana, and I I rewatched this last night because my daughter was getting caught up on the last three episodes. He says to them when when she asks him, "Are you friends with the Declaremonts?" And he says, "I fear that you know I am beneath them. I was cast out of my own clan." So we know that Matthew was given orders to eradicate everyone with the blood rage. And somehow that did not move over to Marcus because what year was, what year that Marcus say he was? um, 1776 or around there. Okay. 71 or. Right. So at this point, this is 200 years hence. I don't know why Matthew was able to spare Marcus. I don't know why he was able to get away with sparing Marcus because, again, apparently Marcus is a favorite of Philippe's and Isabel, so they weren't too pressed about him being killed. So you have to think about it. If 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 he's been if Benjamin has been around this whole time, 
and just been kind of looking at what the Declaremonts are doing. If Matthew was supposed to kill him, which I'm assuming Matthew was supposed to, because Lori, you says that Matthew doesn't even realize Benjamin is alive. Exactly. I don't, I don't know what that story is, but he's probably going to be just a little bit pissed. And then not only that, but here you are in 1590, you have this son that you have not thought about that you don't know about, don't even know you, he's alive, but then you go and you adopt this human boy and treat him as your own. Yeah, I I, I just see that. He he's gonna he's gonna use Jack. I, I have a I have a nitpick. I have a nitpick. Mm -hmm. Okay. Here's my nitpick. 85% of all vampire lore, a vampire, wait for it, can feel when one of their sire dies. They don't have this in the series. You can't feel if he's dead. You should know he's dead or not. I'm sorry. It's like like Matthew said, everything that you know about vampires. I know, I know. But you would think that, you know, he would say, oh, a little ember died to my right thumb. Okay, no more Benjamin. Okay, time to move on. No, I think what happened is that well i'm just saying I, I think that what happened with benjamin and again speculation and a little bit of what i know but i don't know i think what happened is that with him there was a thing where he did probably uh was told that he had to get rid of him but i think it was more along the lines of you have to tell him and he has to do this this and this and i don't think that matthew because remember this is a very different matthew uh than we have now it's possible that matthew might have oh i don't know had somebody else take care of it for him and the person who didn't didn't follow through or got overtaken by benjamin and benjamin was able to fight his way free and walk away again this is complete speculation right because we haven't read the book so we don't exactly know what benjamin's story is at this point or, or exactly or the decision that fleet made to kill blood rage vampires happened after benjamin was excised could be. You know, from the Declaremont family, just couldn't find him. Could be. Could he be. could be he could be very grief is a serious motivator. Anger is an even more serious motivator. Yeah, that's true. And if his anger and hate to the Declaremonts is that great, they weren't gonna find him. until he wanted to be found. Mm. Yeah, let 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 let's just say that I I believe that if that would have been me, I think I would have definitely had an axe to grind, because you don't you have to understand vampires are very clannish. They're very knit together. They have they they're basically they need each other to not go insane. So if you're kicked out of that, you're gonna feel some type of way. Add the fact that you're hundreds of years old, and even if you have a new coven or a new clan you're still going to feel some type of way so i can see benjamin wanting to get a little bit of revenge or a little yeah. bit of payback imagine imagine a person or a vampire with the patience of jabir mm. and and the cunning and guile of the pitico right yeah like yeah. he's wow. i could plan things two three four hundred years in advance yeah and, and just wait and he probably he, feels like now's the time to strike. Yeah, and, and I think that once everything shakes out with the third season, once we find out exactly what happens, I think it's going to make a lot of sense. It's going to be like, huh, okay. Because see, here's the thing that Black Panther taught me. Uh, the bad guy isn't necessarily always the bad guy. 
sometimes right. the bad guy got screwed and it was something that couldn't be helped and now he's trying to figure out how to make it right but he's still the bad guy because he's doing wrong in order to make it right mm-hmm. and i'm sure benjamin has been telling zach he's my father too and he abandoned me just like he abandoned you we're brothers yeah. You know you what? Know, Good point we, with that one. We are brothers, and and you know, and he's using all that grief that Jack has over. Because think about how Jack was like, "I want to go with you." No, you can't come with us. That thing broke my heart. Yeah, you know, and and imagine that Jack is carrying that with him, and then you have someone like Benjamin come along, who is obviously very manipulative and very deceptive, and he can play that that little fiddle that he has back and forth. Oh, you're my brother. We were both abandoned by Matthew. And he didn't have to turn to you. He doesn't even have to tell him to hate him. He just keep telling him that over and over and over again. He abandoned us. He abandoned us. Next thing you know, all that anger and grief is, and the blood rage to top it all off. Yeah. Perfect weapon. I'm actually at that scene right now where they're saying goodbye to Jack. Yeah, see, per- he's a perfect he's a perfect time bomb. He's like, how is Matthew supposed to kill him? <laughs> you know, how is Matthew supposed to kill Jack? <sighs> that's that's gonna be he's he's not going to you know. Yeah, it's gonna that's be, gonna be interesting. It's gonna be interesting, but it's also gonna be very very painful because once they once Diana and and Matthew see Jack, it's gonna hit all sorts of things because then it's going to come out what she did behind Matthew's back. She's going to try and argue that she did it was best for him. And it's just, it's going to be a huge mess. It really is, you know, and it, it, it just is. Yeah. Um, I think her instincts failed her. Miserably. Yeah. She failed that. Scene. We will see. Uh-huh. Like her dad yeah. said, you can't go messing with time. You can't go messing stuff up. It just has dire consequences. Exactly. Yeah. You basically yeah. pull the ancient one from the from um from Endgame. It's like you can't alter the timeline. You're gonna mess up the stream, the time stream. But they yeah. already altered the timeline by taking Jack in in the first place. But that's what her father was saying. Her father even said, like, you can't take the book, you can't take Jack. You already fucked shit up. Y'all just need to go. Basically. It's but, like that's basically yeah. what he was saying, man. He was right because she, they changed, they fundamentally changed a lot of shit. And even by telling people that they're from the future and them knowing that he's from the future, they change stuff, even if they don't think that is something that is perceptible in the future, they still change things. And they still change things and show people things and still and stuff still happens in the future that shouldn't have happened. Oh, okay, point of order, point of order. Just had a thought. Okay, you, you send them over to, to the guy. Okay, the guy is friends with Matthew. The regular Matthew in this time is eventually going to come back to London. Wouldn't it have been smarter on both of them, uh, both of them, to have Jack be raised by Goody Allsop and the witches? Because if the Matthew from 1591 shows up at Henry's house and he sees this kid he's never seen before, and he runs up and he goes, "Dad," and he's a vampire. He's going, "Okay, somebody needs to tell me something right now." I'm just pointing that out. Yeah, it's gonna have to happen because they are the ones that adopted the kid. So, and they made it out. very plain. They they didn't hide the fact that they brought him in. I mean, you know, 
And and Matthew, the real Matthew, comes back and he's like, "Why do I smell witches all up in my house? Exactly. I don't understand." <laughs> Francois and what what was the other woman's oh, name? Oh, I can't think of his name. Yeah, yeah. I can't think of his What is yeah, this? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we were witches walking through my house. Well, I mean, think about it too. I mean, there's a lot that's gonna have to. Again, I, I'm kind of curious about how this whole time travel thing works and when he comes back because you also have your sister and your supposed best friend who are in prison right now for attacking your supposed wife and your sister also knows that you got this witch pregnant. How do you, how, like... There's going to be like, oh, but you you truly were bewitched by that witch. You don't remember shit. (laughs) I got her pregnant. You serious? Well, I mean, Kit knows that they are from the future. I can. I don't. I don't know if Kit believed it. I think he has to have believed it after Diana recited his poem to him. That may have been the point. That may have been the moment. But then he still could. He still could just. He still could justify it. Uh-huh. <laughs> he could still be like, she read my mind, or she bewitched me somehow. She bewitched me and found something. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever, whatever she did to Matthew, she tried to do to me. Look at how Which powerful is she is. What's witches in the past? I mean, what's the, who's to say that this is going to have ramifications in the future? Because if my, Matthew gets back and he smells witch, like, is his bed basically smells like a witch whorehouse? He's gonna be like, "What the fuck is this shit?" And they tell him what happens, and he what was to stop him from going on a rampage and start killing witches. And what if Galaglass was like, "You know what, Matthew was being real affectionate towards me. Like, am I not around in the future? Maybe I should just lay low for a while." And you stop know, all I this wondered about that, yeah. but I saw, but I've seen the trailer for series three, and I did see Galaglass, so that made me very, very happy. Yeah, so that that was my my first thought was Galagas is he's a clever fella. He's gonna be like, you know what? Maybe I should not keep going to all these bar fights. Maybe I should just chill out for a few hundred years. I, you know I mean? would, I would Maybe I should just retire to the islands. Oh, they found islands in the Carib- the Caribbean. Oh, let me go check those out. Maybe be a pirate <laughs> for a while. I don't know. This this you know this vacation, go to a new world. You know, start a family, start a farm. I'm just saying, Galagas, I'm. I'm He's he could he could be thinking, yeah, he was really nice to me, and Matthew's he never that nice to me. Could it be because he hadn't seen me for like two hundred years, maybe because I'm dead, you know. No, I you know I, I <laughs> didn't get that because even when Gallo Glass first showed up, the way he and Matthew greeted each other, they it it was almost like they were close. But I think maybe this Matthew is probably a little you know like everybody. Well, he said, I like I like I like. This Matthew better. Yeah, I like the future Matthew better. Yeah, because <laughs> because it he just probably seems a little more. He's a little he's a little more loose. He's a little more open minded. He's a little more evolved. Uh, affectionate, he's nice, you know. He's he's nice, a nice guy. Yeah, I I don't I I get the I, I yes, okay I get the idea that Gal Glass like like Anthony said has a healthy sense of of, of self preservation, but I also think that in it's not that he can't hold water. It's just that he knows that he can't be around certain people because 
when questions come up, he's going to have to start explaining himself and he doesn't want to explain it because I think it, he really likes his auntie as he keeps calling Diana, which she is. And he doesn't want anything to hurt her. But I also think that the the witches that she was around, uh, Sophie's uh, ancestor, mm-hmm. uh, I, I well, first of all, I think that they could have used her a little bit more in the past. But I think that all those people, they're going to really have to sort of distance themselves because two or three people who know the truth in the same room, city, town, country, start spilling beans. People are going to start going, okay, what about this? What about this? There's too many questions that need to be answered, you know? Well, well, if they if they knew it's if they knew it's good for them, they like, I don't know what they're talking about. This is true. <laughs> That's this the answer. Downcast. I don't know what they're talking about. What are you, you talking about? Yeah, but see, I don't think stitches. And Matthew stitches goes to Queen Elizabeth and asks Queen Elizabeth, "Was I did I have a witch, a wife?" She's gonna look at him like, "Why are you here? And what are you talking about? I need you to go kill somebody yeah. for me." I, yeah, she's she's not gonna because she knows she got what she needed from the yeah, future nephew. I, I don't think so, stitches get stitches is right. a thing yet. But it could be. <laughs> it could okay, wait now. The, the Spanish Inquisition, I don't think, is too far from where we this are right true. now. This is true. And you know, keeping your mouths closed was usually a good thing to do. You people started talking, heads start rolling, and we don't want that. Yeah. So Pierre and Francois, we'd be like, we have no idea what they're talking about, Matthew. You weren't here. I don't I don't know. This witch you speak of? I don't know what they're talking about. Pregnant? What are they talking about? You know that job in the Swiss Alps that they keep offering us? We took it. We're gonna go. Bye. Yeah. You know. He's gonna go ask Philippe. Philippe, did you marry me to some witch? I don't know what you're talking about. I need you to go kill some vampires for me. <laughs> you know, you got to distract them with job, with work. Oh yeah, I mean, but but there's also a couple things that that she did that Matthew. Well, this is actually the second thing that she did that Ma- Matthew doesn't know anything about. Remember, she changed Isabel's map at Septor. He didn't see her do that either. So this is two different things that she's done independently of him. I forgot about that. I forgot about that. <laughs> She has she has no respect for anything. (laughs) She's She's trying to keep the witches alive. I'm not even going to blame her for that. She's trying to keep the witches alive because this is not the same Isabel that she knows in the future. Well, Isabel in the future might be like, wait a second. You know what? My map did look a little different. If she say Peter Knox's witches timeline uh family she's gonna have to she brought it on herself and she saved them by moving those little arrows around i mean <laughs> that's her well, that's on well, you well you know how time works it could that could have been one of those things that was supposed to happen well yeah that's true they kept it supposed from wiping out all the witches that, that, well that could have been that too but i mean she still messed with time i mean they they go on about the butterfly effect and everything i mean she clearly and, and see and then the, of course you know as you watch it, little things in the back of your mind, like one of the things that bothered me about the whole thing meeting with Father Hubbard is that she's pretty much uh, watched while she's in the Royden house, even though she's the mistress. How in God's name did she get a message to Father Hubbard to meet her? They, they watch her 24-7. You know, that's, that is actually that's, a really this good This is a really question. good question. It's called TV magic. That's <laughs> 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 one of those things the writers do. Because oh, Gal- was, that, was that Gallaglass who was like, don't you think I should come with you? 
You yeah. know what I mean? He, oh no, he would. He said, "I can stay. I can stay if you want." He was. He yeah. was gonna wait for her outside so he could escort her back, and she was like, "No, saying goodbye to the coven might take a while." So. Yes, yeah, he played to his. I think I should go to that bar down the street. I saw back there and check it out. Yeah. <laughs> then, yeah this is, I mean, this is basically a great question. For the writers for the writers to finagle a way for um, Benjamin to get into to be in the future near the bloodlusted vampire because she talks she talks to her old brother her old brother Hubbard. Hubbard runs into Benjamin. Benjamin tells him that he sired him. Tell him what the fuck you know. So he tells him everything that he saw. From, from that drop of blood that Diana fucking gave him. And now he's like, oh, shit. Nice. So then, in the future, he kind of knows everything that's getting ready to happen. He probably, he knows about the paintings. So once he, if he sees that the paintings have disappeared, he's like, ah. So, that means that some, there's something going on up at this auction house. I should probably keep an eye on it and see what the fuck happens. Then he sees Domenico walking in with a shredded shirt looking for shit. He's like, okay, here we go. Now what the fuck else is going to happen? So this is just a way to kind of connect dots to show why Benjamin is in present is present day at the auction house getting ready to figure out what the fuck is going on. Because he knows every fucking thing already. Yeah, and that's, uh, and yeah, let's just say that uh, from what I know, there's a whole lot of explaining that Benjamin is going to have to do very quickly uh, to certain people, including Domenico, and I don't think it's gonna gonna go his way, because Benjamin is one of those people that if they get pin him down on why he's in the future, I don't think they're gonna like the answer, and I don't think it's necessarily anything about uh, Mac. I think it has to do with the. This is all speculation. I think this is all about the the congregation, one way, shape, or form. Because I I, I can't remember, but I think that one of the things that bothered him is that the congregation was formed not necessarily to keep people like him out, but to keep people in, in line. Mm. More I so just think, than the marriage. I just think Benjamin has a bone to pick with the Claremonts. And he's the one causing all this craziness that's 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 going to bring... He's trying to bring down the Claremonts, I don't think he cares. I, I want to say he doesn't care about anything else. So this is not a theory. This is just observation of human behavior yeah. <laughs> or vampire behavior. He just wants whatever happened between him and Matthew. And I think he just, he just, he, I, I think everything else is just ancillary. They're just a means to an end. Destroy the declare moss, period. Mm. Okay. I mean, okay. I, I, okay. I mean, I'm not. I'm just. I'm not trying to disregard your. your oh theory, no, 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 no! I'm. No. I'm, just, I'm agreeing with you. I'm listening to what you're saying. Yeah. Whatever. Whatever he had going on back then, it's. It's, it's all of it. It seems to be related to, just bringing the Claremonts down, leaving the crumb trail for, Domenico, because he could have told Jack just kill Domenico, but that wouldn't get what he wants. He want. He's leading Domenico by the nose to do certain things that he wants him to do. Okay. All right. But, but okay. All right. I, I'll give you that. But here's, here's another thing. And again, I am just speculating. How much of an influence was Matthew on Jack the short time that they were there for a year, year and a half? When you have a parent that shows you a certain amount of love and a certain amount of caring, and they really make an impression, 
uh, people can tend to bring that into adulthood and use those same philosophies that they taught throughout their life. What my grandfather taught me, I still depend upon today, so to speak. What if Jack was so, was Matthew made such an impression that even though Jack might be sired by Father Herbert, he might be the grandson of Benjamin. What if in his heart, he's actually more like Matthew and they can't shake that no matter how hard they try and it causes some problems? I don't know. I, I, I think at this point, I think at this point, most of this is just speculation until the start of the next season because we don't know exactly where all of this is going. We have our theories and we have our, you know. Speculations. Yeah, but it's just. Theories, Anthony. Theories. Until we know for sure who the Blood Rage Vampire is. You already know. No, I said for sure. Like when we finally see his face, I think then. You already know. I thought we were going to get it, to be honest with you. I thought we were going to get it. I, I thought so, yeah, too. I, I, I thought right, right, right before he turned he turned um, Domenico into potential shredded weed, I thought he was going to, we were going to see a little glimmer of his face. Maybe, like, of his eyes. That would look like his would be like, <gasps> Yeah. Yeah. But that back view really didn't give us anything. Now, the other question that I have, are we sure that Matthew and Diana are coming back to the future at that time? <laughs> Well, according to book three, yes. They're getting ready to. I mean, it's yeah, like- they, 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 they do. I believe they do make it back. But see, the question is, do they wind up in Septor or do they wind up in London? Because remember, when they arrived, they were they were supposed to arrive in the country, and they arrived at the Royden house. Mm-hmm. So she was off for a couple of miles. So uh, she could land them. So she can land them in Bohemia. Who knows? I. I think that it will be the right time, but I don't think it's going to be the right location. Well, okay. Well, two things. First is like she was distracted that that first time, so that's probably why she landed a little bit further, and she was inexperienced. Now she's more and more experienced. I think she, I think she, they will land in Setor, but I mean, even if they do land in Bohemia, they can take a train and and they won't have to walk anywhere for a month to get to Setor. They can just hop to the train and be there in like 10 minutes. So we ain't got to worry about all that. And he's um, rich, so the $8,000 train ticket on the Orient Express will be like nothing to him. I mean, come on. It's, it's Matthew. Matthew, Matthew, don't give a fuck about that shit. Oh, no. I'm, I, 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 I think that you're right. But like I said, I, I believe that it will be the right time. So, but I, I guess my biggest problem is, is if they arrive, are they going to do one of those things that they do on TV where they back it up or fast forward it a few minutes of what happened last season? Usually superhero shows do this a lot where they're going to show up like two minutes before the whole thing with M happens. They're going to repeat that scene, but act it out different. Or they're going to show up like a couple minutes after they, they discover Marcus in the woods. I have a question. How, how, from when they left until the last episode, how many days has that been since they left? Does anyone know exactly how long that no. was? Wait, no, that's, a, that's, that's a, a good question. question. That's a good question. From, from when from when they when they time walked to fifteen ninety until 
whatever whatever day of whatever night it was in the last episode how much time it passed um it's been roughly six or seven months i think they've they've been there six for six months in. well they've That's been there fine. a year and a half in 18 in 1591 now sophie no, but, but, they, they haven't been there that long because when they arrived in 1590 it was already the end of the year they arrived right before halloween Okay. This All is right. uh, right around springtime. So they, they've been there maybe six, seven months at the most. Okay. But think, about this. but think about this. Time is time is actually irrelevant here because they're going back to a fixed point in time. They're not going back where it's six or seven or however many. It could be the next day or the, or six months down the line. They're still going back to a specific point in time. I, I see what you're saying. It could you know be saying? that so they've been, been they in the background when they, when they just left. Which means mm-hmm. they're going to encounter encounter Nox, Satu, and Gerbert breaking into their house. But they probably won't do that. They'll probably want to go a little bit further, a little bit further along in the week or like a couple weeks, a couple weeks down, so that they make sure that they don't run into them. But they're gonna have they're going back to a specific point, not the point where M got killed and where Nox was at Satur. They they don't, they don't how would they know? How are they gonna how how would they know that's the exact day that they that's true because they I don't think they would pregnant. Yeah, that's true. They could I don't yeah, but I don't think that they would go back to a specific I think they would probably keep the time because they wouldn't want to change anything that happened to their people in the future with them coming because let let's say Let's say they've been gone seven months. So okay. even if you count the seven, even if you count the seven months, that's seven months that their families and friends have gone without them being there, knowing that they're in the past. If they come back before that time, that changes everything that happened to their friends and family in the future. Right. I don't think they would do that. Because the, the premise of book three says very plainly that they arrived from the past to discover a devastating family loss. So it has to be right around. But how do they know to get that specific point? That's kind of bugging me. If if they're counting, if if they say, okay, we've been here in 1590 for seven months, let's jump to that exact, to this exact date in our present time so let's say if they left let's say october 26 2020 and they arrived october 26 1590 if right now it's april 7th 1591 maybe they're gonna go to 15 april 7th 2021 maybe she can control a specific day time year when she goes to well, I mean, this, that's what she had this, to either go into the past. She she left on a specific night so that they could arrive on a specific night during that time. Maybe she can do that going forward as well. Well, this is just pure speculation on my part. Mm-hmm. It, it could be one of the rules because, you know, magic has to have rules. Mm-hmm. One of the rules with being a time walker is your clock is always running. So 
even no matter when you, what you leave from, you're always going to come back with the equal amount of time having passed. Yeah, that that that's pretty much what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah so that that would mean you know you no said one... it a little more eloquently than I was. <laughs> <laughs> but you got that was so the point I was trying to make. Yeah, she can't specifically target a time to return. It's just automatically going to be the same amount of time she's been gone. Just the same way as when you time walk back, you probably displace, if you're there, like if you time walk within your lifetime, you're going to displace yourself from that time until you leave, which is what happened to Matthew. So there's certain, like, I, I don't know if they thought this through that much, but I'm sure that that would be a rule they would have to prevent the thing that, that uh, Mike is talking about, to keep them from coming back the same night that they left. Right, because then you're t- you're saying that they're not going to lose any time aging. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there wouldn't be any point of not trying to become immortal because but, you could just time walk and not ever lose any time. But I think but, you are your internal clock is always ticking, so your magic is always going to take you in the amount of time that you've lived. It's never going to give you back the time that you lost. But the whole point of time walking is going to a specific point in time. In the past, so, 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 so you're I, I'm just saying. Going, going. I don't think it works that way going forward. Yeah, because so I, I bet the risk that you take of going forward is however far you go forward is the time that you're going to lose. So if you jump three months ahead in time, that's three months of your internal clock gone. So you're all you always are going to be sacrificing something. You see that. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. magic always requires a sacrifice. Okay. So I think what we really need to do in order to understand this is like Lori suggested in the last episode, we all just need to read these books this summer and get a better understanding of how this works because I'm sure they probably explain this at some point in the books and it's just... I doubt it. I don't think she thought that far through. <laughs> you know what? I, all, all it says is that they come back to discover a devastating family loss. That's all it really says. And for what I know of book three, I couldn't give you an answer if I knew it because I don't think that they went that deep. I, I think they, I think that they arrived, but I don't, because my personal take is that Sophie was, again, I don't know how to tell when someone's pregnant, how far along. She was probably five, months pregnant and then she's already had the baby and the baby's at least a month old so I think that six seven months that Hanukkah was saying is probably right but because uh, they got to travel they got they remember they were at the house in in Marcus's house in London and then they had the baby and then he met Phoebe so yeah it had to be good six seven months I don't think it's more than that though yeah. but I and they had to go set, set tour and travel and all that stuff um so I thought you don't think you can really travel with a baby baby like that for like until like a month old or something. But um, yeah, I, I don't I don't think that she has a specific timeline. Yeah, but I, I mean, even looking at the teaser trailer for series three, you can see there's a point where Matthew and Diana are walking into a room and they've got on their the same little white shirts that they had when they time traveled the first time. Right. And the expression on their faces, like they look in shock and Matthew, you know, we, we talk about how he physically expresses himself in his face. 
he's looking like he can't believe this is what they walked into. So I'm guessing that they walk in to see that Emily has died. That's that's my guess. Can you send me that that link to that? Yes. I haven't seen that yet. Yes. But see, uh, see, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna gonna go into just really briefly. Emily died different from the books. She okay. still died, but she didn't die the way that she died in the books. So how did she die in the books? I'm curious. She died in the books protecting Diana and Matthew's child. Oh, okay. But okay. she was still killed by Peter Knox. Okay. I guess now we have to talk about Emily. Uh, I, I liked how she died. I, I liked that having the guns blazing, you know, guts and glory. I, I, I thought she died with dignity. She did. I mean, she was talking smack to Peter Knox the whole way, so you can't go wrong with that. But I mean, just the, just the fact that I mean, we've speculated that this was going to happen, and from what I understand, this did happen in the books. But oh, I hated seeing it. And not only that, I hated Sarah finding her, and like even at the end of the episode, she's still trying to get her to wake up. I was just kind of at, at some point I was like, okay, well, maybe he didn't kill her. Maybe he just knocked her out. You know, I was really kind of, it, it was a small glimmer of hope, but I was just like, maybe he just knocked her out. Maybe that's something else they're going to change. But yeah, no, I think M is done. And that just makes me so sad because I freaking love Valerie Pettiford as Emily. She was phenomenal in this role. But also, I'm I'm kind of pissed that Peter Knox saw Rebecca, and there was nothing that could be done to kill his ass at that time. Like that should have been a perfect time for him to be distracted, and something could have happened. Like Sarah, sh Sarah could have gotten there just a few minutes earlier, and and done something with her magic, and we could have seen how powerful Sarah is. And this, I I don't know. This just. Uh... I don't like the fact that Emily is dead. Just I didn't point blank. I didn't like the fact that the first thing Rebecca says is I could do nothing to help you. And she wasn't talking about helping Diane. She was talking about her death. Yeah, I I, I think that's I, I kind of got that too. Like, you know, we Steven said something earlier in the episode about Rebecca being able to see things and she didn't know how but she knew that they would have a short time with Diana. I think she probably saw that too. And like you said in earlier episodes, when she was asking Rebecca for help, Rebecca was kind of telling her, look, I can't help you. Don't ask me, you know, trying to get her to stop contacting her. And she probably thought Emily was asking for help, but you know, when, and then when Emily said, no, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to help Diana. How is she connected with the book? And then Rebecca was able to kind of give her some more information. She probably would have been able to give her more information if Peter hadn't been there, you know, but it's just. I just. And then, I thought it was going to be one of those things where she tells her everything and then she dies. Oh. Like, <laughs> we did get a little bit of an info dump, though. Yeah, but I mean, 
I don't know. At this point, I I, I kind of get what Mike was saying at the beginning of the episode. It's kind of like we end the season not not with any cliffhanger, but we do have lots and lots of questions. And now we have to wait for a whole year to get answers to those questions. Except for if we decide to read the books, which I'm most likely going to do now because I have questions. I need to know what's going on. I need to know what's going to happen. I need to know what to expect at this point. So don't be laughing at me, Anthony. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna be snooping just like Phoebe. I need to know what's going on. <laughs> I'm glad you brought Phoebe <laughs> up. I've been waiting for Phoebe to come back up. Why didn't you bring her up? You could have brought her up. What do you have to say about Phoebe now? The only thing I have to say about Phoebe is where was she at? When all the ruckus was going on with the baby and everything, she's she probably got... a heavy sleeper. <laughs> like, was she was it, was, it was Marcus's turn to put her out, I, I, apparently, I because that baby woke everybody up but her. Mm-hmm. I just thought, you know, I'd mention that she she seemed to be conspicuously absent. She would probably um, sleep in. Um, you know, oh, well, no. who knows? Maybe oh, that no. the baby person... was crying on the frequency that only affected the creatures. Who knows? Oh, no. the, the person, the person I live with, whom I'm related to by marriage, <laughs> she the, she's like, I don't trust Phoebe. Don't trust her. Not oh, one bit. you can oh. trust Phoebe. Then, oh, don't her. trust her. Not one bit. Oh no, no. It, they, it changed things. Trust her, I books. trust her. <laughs> no, and Phoebe, I think, yeah, Phoebe's problem is that she want something that's very hard to get and she may not get it that's only that's phoebe's problem marcus no she wants she to got become wrapped no, no, phoebe, phoebe wants to become a vampire yeah i was gonna say she probably right. wants to become a vampire and i mean think about it especially in her line of work to be able to see that kind of history go you know come and go yeah that that probably is very appealing for her and especially due to the fact that her and Marcus have already had the conversation about the loves that he's lost and all this other stuff. And that, you know, people, he felt he's fallen in love before, but they've come and gone because he lives away, because he lives and he watches them die and stuff like that. And if her feelings get to the point where she's like, I don't want to leave you, you know, she's going to be like, uh, can you do this? He, he can't turn her. Okay, yeah, but that's that's the problem. It's like nobody can turn. I don't think anyone can turn her really. Miriam, Miriam, Miriam could. Baldwin could. Baldwin, you don't. Baldwin, Baldwin, Baldwin. Baldwin ain't lifting the finger for nobody. Oh, I already know this. Baldwin, Baldwin was too busy doing getting them favors taken care of that he already <laughs> taken care of. You know, he has enough shit to do. He don't need to be worried about turning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I think if anyone would turn her, it would be Miriam. Because I think Miriam is the only one that you could actually trust to do it and not have an alternative motive. Yeah. Yeah, because she would, if she and Marcus are going to be together, it has to be a non-declaremont to do it. Yeah. But, you know, there there is this thing, too, is that they need to make sure that whoever does turn her, that make sure that they are free of blood rage. And also, uh, from my understanding, is that we need to realize that uh, different... I'm trying to think different uh, vampire stories. Not all the time that when you get turned, it doesn't work well for you. I.e. Bubba from True Blood. Well, they're also having issues siring anyway. Right. 
Right. Yeah. So. So that yeah, counts. So, That's like the fourth True Blood reference in this episode. I'm sorry. <laughs> Bubba was a special. Don't. Case, though, so we can't. Yeah, Bubba was a special case. Yeah, but it still went wrong. <laughs> but you know what, though, this will give everyone a lot of motivation in figuring out what's up with the book and what's up with, you know, creatures dying off. Oh yeah. Like if this is something that Marcus really if Phoebe really wants this and Marcus wants to give it to her, he's gonna be motivated mm-hmm. to figure stuff out. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's, it's Isabel likes her so much. And you know how Isabel is, you, you gotta show that you're the Claremont woman if you want to be a the Claremont woman. And yeah. Phoebe's Phoebe's on that path. <laughs> yep. So the, everybody will be motivated to make this happen for Phoebe and Marcus. It'd be so sweet. And that's not a theory. That's just, <laughs> yeah. I'm not making any theories. Nope, stop. Just stop. No, stop. <laughs> Michael's bringing out the notebook. I will let you know when I have a theory. If oh, I, I ever have, I if I ever have another theory. theory. I don't know when you have a theory. You are, see, you just, you just said you'll let me know when you I'll have a theory, know. which means it's coming up, which means that as soon as we start watching on what we'll call it, I'm gonna find you. <laughs> all right. Oh, well, my hope my hope for next season is that all those moments at the end of this episode where everyone was just kind of like standing around mm-hmm. looking grim and determined. I hope those have some payoffs. I hope, I really hope, I really am dying to see the scene where Isabel tells Baldwin to get lost. <laughs> you know, I'm so looking forward to that. Whatever Isabel is about to do next season, I'm looking forward to it. Because like Michael said, she's about to whoop some ass. Yeah, she is. It's on. Like, <laughs> I, I, think, I think that what I want to see is a resolution of several things that they set up. But I also want to see more about what's going on with some of the characters that we didn't get to see a lot of. We didn't get to see a lot with Hamish. Uh, we saw some Baldwin, but we didn't get enough to see that what exactly is his mindset. I want to know more about the congregation in, in general. And I think that we need to see, well, we're going to see, we know that for a fact, we're going to see more of the knights show up and how that uh, structure is set to get, you know, put up and everything. And I think that if they do what they need to do in book three, I think you're going to have a lot of Baldwin in the season, next season coming up. A lot of Baldwin. That sounds about right. Um, I don't know if I have any... I don't have any theories as far as season three goes at this point. I'm just kind of, I I want the questions that they left us with at the end of this season. I want those answered. I want to find out how Benjamin is part of the bigger picture with all of this. I want to know who the, the vampire is and I'm really, really hoping it's not Jack, but somehow that, you know, I'm kind of resigned to the fact that it is. Um, But other than that, I mean, I really wish that this series was more than three seasons because I feel like we probably could have gotten a lot more story and information if it had been like they could have extended it for maybe one more season, you know, split a couple of seasons. But no, they would not have been walking a lot, Anthony. Um, But yeah, so 
I'm I'm just gonna I'm just gonna be patient. Like I said, this summer my plan is to actually go through and read the books and kind of familiarize myself more with the canon. And um, I'm just I'm just counting down to 2022 at this point. Like, come on, let's go. They could have had one more episode. They could they could have. I mean, they, they went from eight to ten. They could have bumped it out to twelve. Yeah, so. All right, going back to the beginning when they were looking at constellations, um, Matthew was showing him Cassiopeia, the Big Dipper, and Draco. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if that, that's, a, that's what they were talking about. It was a really touching scene. I liked it. Um, just to further prove that they did know how to rhyme, but they got lazy with the seventh thread. Um, they said that thread eight, the spell will wait, and thread nine, spell be mine. Then and all that rhymes is not like seventh and whatever whatever word they put on there that did fucking rhyme. So they know how to rhyme, they just choose not to. Seven and woven. Seven and woven, no. It still doesn't fucking rhyme. And okay, what else? Uh Mark uh uh shout outs to Mark shout outs to Rabbi Lowe for giving the page to Steve giving the page to Steven. Now, Stephen said he received the page from a rabbi from somewhere in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. So then they, they surmised that it was Rabbi Lowe. So shout out to him for, for being strong and getting all that. Um, Marcus one and shout out to Marcus wanting to have him going through and, and really stepping up and talking about dissolving the congregation. Um, there are a lot of parallels to, to the civil rights movement with that. Like, you know, like that being segregated, like being separated by species isn't right, that everybody needs to come together and things like that. There are a lot of parallels there. So shout outs to them for that. Um, real shout outs to Phoebe for rallying them together and and getting the approval of Isabo. I mean that I mean because most most other creatures can't get approval from Isabo and she managed to get approval from her. So that's pretty that's actually pretty good. Like so from shout outs for her getting yeah, yeah, from jump, correct. And um, um, shout out, shout out to Domenico for for just wiping off an attack by a blood rage vampire and being able to sit up and still walk and survive it. I mean, some bitch. That's yeah, but that that five hundred dollars shirt he had on, Vero. Damn <laughs> shame what they did to that shirt. I'm sure um, that that's probably like yeah, that that's probably nothing to him. Yeah, um, there was there was another. That I wrote down. But but since he talked about Domenico and that he he I think he recognized the peril that he was in <laughs> and 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 that he was able to walk away from it. And I think that might come back to bite whoever you know effectuated that attack because well they ca- you know what he happened to be there, but it w- I don't think you. I don't know. Domenico is lucky that he's not dead, and I think he's going to realize that he's lucky that he was dead. Yeah, you know, I'll be honest. I kind of felt like the vampire was holding back. Like that mm-hmm. vampire could have killed him, but didn't probably. And I, and I think that's, that's going to be something in his head that he's going to think. You know what? I should have been killed, and I wasn't. Yeah. And that's going to be important for him because you don't want to give Domenico clues. You don't want to leave stuff for him to think about for too long. That's going to be something that's going to be on his mind. 
Like, why am I not dead? Yeah. Right. Um, the scene between Stephen, right before he was getting ready to leave, uh, between Stephen and Diana was really touching. Um, where I she cried. said, I'm terrified. I'm, I'm terrified of changing anything, yet I'm desperate to change everything, which basically said everything about her state of mind, which I was like, I can I understand all that. And he he um he tells her that he knows that she's pregnant because her mother told him. So that's an interesting that's an interesting development that Sarah actually knew that she was pregnant. Um anything else I uh, and um, again, I I did like this. I did like this episode. I just wish that they would have given. And I know people hate cliffhangers, but in this situation, I actually would love to have a cliffhanger. That's just my thing. I think I think I think it would have added a lot, just like it added to the end of season one. I think it would have added to season two as well. Instead of uh, instead of just sitting and asking what's the next or what we're gonna do, even though everything's pretty laid out as far as as far as. Matthew and Diana coming back in time jumping and Marcus Marcus really maybe starts hunting out hunting trying to hunt down Knox everybody trying to hunt down Knox and see what the fuck's going on. I kind of foresee Gerber maybe Gerber killing Knox and saying it was Tim all along, you know, and trying and trying to divert divert attention from him, but it's not going to work at all. So I really don't see that happening either. Um, I'm I'm looking forward to next season. I really want to see how they're going to bring it in, and I'm I'm interested. I'm I'm beginning more and more interested in seeing Satu's power to see what she learned because I think that because that's probably going to be a major development as far as as far as the as far as what goes on in season three, and and her and Di- her and Diana. I'm I'm looking forward to a Weaver battle between her and Diana. That's going to be fucking awesome. Especially the effects because. The effects in this are still top notch, and I'm, and I am all for a all for a witch's battle, a witch's weaver battle. Okay. Ah, oh, we have to wait a whole year. Not happy. Yeah, I think it was. I think it's a little different because when you guys started watching this show, it was towards the end of last year, so we only really had a few weeks between season one and season two from when we just started discussing the show and now we've got to wait a whole year it's kind of like oh what are we gonna do i mean i know there's a lot of shows that we can cover but i think i think i speak for all of us when i say this is probably one of the top shows for us on the podcast so to not be able to discuss it for a whole year is going to be so hard but yeah i i'm looking forward to to season three so with that being said, yeah. that's it for our show. You can find us online at fandomhybrid.com. We are on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Fandom Hybrid. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and other major podcast streaming platforms. Thanks for listening. We hope you join the conversation next time. 